Well, welcome to another broadcast of Help Relationships 102 with your host, myself, Pastor Lewis Green. It's good to be with you again today on this afternoon. Looking forward to the time we're about to spend together, and hopefully some of you feel at least similarly. I want to remind everyone to like us on our Facebook page at Help Relationships 102. Some of you, you can find us on Blog Talk Radio as well. And remember, on Help Relationships 102, you put that in your Facebook search bar without the exclamation point at the end of Help, like here on Blog Talk Radio. Okay, we've been really talking about depression. And the reason we've sort of segued into it is there seems to be sort of a, a wash of depression that seems to be hitting the body of Christ as a whole. It seems like more people in different parts of the world that I'm in communication with are all seemingly going through a similar kind of depression. Everyone seems to be down. And the irony is, you know, on the heels of great things about to happen, uh, the depression is here. But I, I do want to keep it within the context of that understanding that depression can be a major, major problem in marriage. And a lot of times one person is, well, whenever one person is depressed, it's not just about him anymore. It'll infect the entire marriage, the entire relationship, and even the entire family. Because how that person relates to himself and how he relates to others depending upon where he is with depression. And some of you have heard me talk a lot about and against pills. And I'm not necessarily against pills, but I do believe in laying the axe to the root. I really believe depression has to do with a person's thought process. And I believe that's why when we're saved, the Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, learning how to think differently, learning how to think in different terms. And so, I mean, oftentimes, and tomorrow we're going to probably talk about bipolar and, uh, and the spiritual connotation behind that. But, you know, sometimes pills can help you start regulating your body chemistry properly or more properly and act as training wheels to get on your feet. I don't believe them to be absolutely essential, except in unique cases, I guess. I don't like to make a, a law out of anything and everything, but I've seen God move. It simply has to do with a thought process and how you think. And some folks say, well, you know, your, your body chemistry just regulates and your deficit certain chemical deficiencies. And But I believe there to be deeper than that. But We'll discuss that probably more in detail tomorrow. Today I want to pick up on what we left off on yesterday regarding Jesus dealing with depression. And some of you hadn't recognized what you'd always read on those instances that Jesus himself had to deal with depression and also shows us through his own demonstration and how he dealt with it. We talked about Gethsemane and how he said that his soul was sorrowful unto death and how he was so down. And, and so Jesus understood depression and he was touched with the very feeling of it. The Bible said that Jesus was touched with the very feeling of our infirmity. So he knows just how we feel. And, uh, and it's one thing I appreciate about it. But there was another incident I want to bring up because in this particular incident, he demonstrates how he dealt with things when they became depressing. How, I mean, the life on this earth can be downright depressing sometimes. And someone says, well, there's a difference between being depressed and being chemically imbalanced and being chemically depressed. 
Well, actually, all, I really believe that all chemical depression is. Prolonged depression, a person's thought process brings him down and he lives there so long that his body adjusts and adapts to who he is and, you know, and regulates according to his faith, according to his thought process. Everything and, and all things, once we become self-conscious, that we become vulnerable to fear, to depression, you know, often depression has to do with being focused on oneself, and that came from the eating of the tree where, where we became self-conscious. After, you know, we were naked, not ashamed, but after we ate the fruit, we became ashamed, and we became self-conscious. And But I'm opening up some things we're going to talk about more tomorrow when we address the bipolar issue, if the Lord allows. But let's talk about Jesus, other dealing, other fight with depression and how he dealt with it. In Matthew 14, John the Baptist was beheaded and died, and his disciples buried his body. And the news reached Jesus, and Jesus took sort of a surprising reaction to it. He withdrew himself and went to a desert place to be alone. And this is what I appreciate about Jesus, because he knew that John was in a better place. He knew that better than anyone. <laughs> he knew that he was in paradise with the other saints, yet it still seemed to affect him enough where he withdrew himself to a desert place to be alone. And the Bible says that everyone from everywhere went out to the desert and sought him out, followed him out. They went out to follow And his disciples said, hey, all men seek you. And Jesus came out, and I would think this, and I would think if I were in a situation where, yeah, I know, I know that John the Baptist was in a better place, but still Jesus was God and man together. And so his humanity was feeling the absence of John. John understood him more than anyone did. They were not only that, they were family. And so he just needed a minute alone. And you would think, after everyone followed him out there, you would think he would say, you know, can I just have a moment? I'm with you all the time. I just need a moment to adjust and to digest this and to deal with this. But that wasn't Jesus' reaction at all, was it? The Bible said he looked up and saw the multitude hurting and, and sick and infirmed and said that he was moved with compassion and he healed them. And then afterwards he fed them. Okay, And so um, Jesus teaches us how to deal with it. See, remember, when, when often when depression hits, a lot of times because we are focused inwardly. And what Jesus did was he refocused himself outwardly, you see. He refocused himself outwardly. Depression has dominance. It has power. It has strength when a person becomes focused on himself, on his own pain, when he becomes preoccupied with his own hurt. And see, that's where depression has its place. But the way Jesus dealt with it was, he looked up and looked out and looked away from himself. And so in doing that, in looking away from himself, therein is the breaking of the power of the depression. Therein is the breaking of the power of depression. If you look at anyone who's depressed, they are struggling, but they are focused on their own hurt. They're focused on their own pain. And so Jesus teaches us through his demonstration, a way of dealing with depression is the looking away from oneself. If one of the definitions of depression is the preoccupation with oneself, 
then so then the answer and the solution, the deliverance is the looking beyond oneself. And that's what Jesus did. He made it about others. I would have been, can I just have a minute? I would have been like, can I just have a minute to myself? I just lost someone. And I know he's in a better place and he's in paradise. With, I know that. He says, but could I just have a minute? I'm with you all. This is how I would be feeling. I'm with you all the time. I heal you. You're sick all the time. I'm teaching you. I'm poured out. But can I not just have a minute to myself? But Jesus demonstrates why depression could never dominate his thinking. The same thing was in Gethsemane. He made it about the Father's will and about what the Father wanted and not what he wanted. He avoided being too long beaten down and being introverted and self-aware and self-focused and even self-centered. He avoided that place and kept his eyes upward or outward, either to the Father for his will or, or for others. And so uh, sometimes you just got to get up and move. Sometimes the answer to depression, some people get up and move and exercise and run or walk. But a great one is to get up and do an activity that's not about you. That you break the preoccupation of yourself. Sometimes movement is the best solution for depression. I mean, even just walking and getting out of the funk can do some good. But sometimes if you've got to consistently look beyond yourself and look to the need of others. Now that's a tricky <laughs> that's a tricky situation there and because some people can often try to look to help others but really their heart is on themselves. Isn't that right? You can be doing the right thing for the wrong reason and not be aware of it. And I'll say the solution to it is two things. First off, you begin to pray for others. Because sometimes you can't just move and do. If you're pinned down by depression so badly, you can't move and do. Sometimes you begin with praying. And when you pray, you begin to focus on the Father and on others. You begin to remove your eye from an inward focus and you go outward and upward, upward and outward. And often that will prove to be enough to make a difference. You begin to pray for others and it could be for your kids and it could be for your spouse and especially those with whom you're in relationship with. If you're struggling with depression, begin to pray for your kids and your spouse because you'll notice when you're in depression you're talking negative, you're in a negative zone so you may find yourself not able to see the good in anything. And so begin to pray for them for their sake and not yours. What do I mean by that? Well, if your spouse, you're aggravated at your spouse for some reason or your kids for some reason, and you begin to pray for them, you can pray for them for your own self's sake. Lord, Father, help you. I pray that they're, they're nicer to me, that they're more concerned about my needs. And Lord, I pray that my kids do better so that I don't get upset and, and clean the room up so that I feel better about it. Clean up, you know. So you have to watch your prayer and make your prayer about the Father and about the people for their sake and not your own. Or else that prayer will be self-centered. And the Bible says that you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask amiss to consume it upon yourself. It's one of the reasons that so many people pray prayers that don't seem to be heard of God or answered by God. is because their prayers are self-centered. And so part of escaping the clutches of depression is to remove your eyes from yourself beginning to do so in prayer.
you begin to do so with looking out at the Lord and looking at look at your family look at your kids look at your wife and look at your husband and look at your brothers look at your sister look at your employer your fellow employees look at your relatives look at your friends and begin to pray for them for their sake and not yours come on now for their sake and not yours and as I just said sometimes when you're around someone enough you're close enough enough you may find yourself praying for them for your own sake and you will find that it'll do very little to escape the clutches of anything and so what God would have you do is to follow Jesus' example of how he escaped depression's bite is he began to look outward. Begin to look outward in prayer. Because, again, you could find yourself doing stuff for the wrong motive, for your own motive, and find you'll feel a little bit better, but the depression will still be on the outer fringes. You'll still see it nearby. It's almost like you're running from it. And a good example of that is Mother Teresa. I kept, over the years, there was an article published on her. Some of you remember her. She was a great holy woman who really helped the poor in Calcutta. And she was renowned. She had the Nobel Peace Prize. She was renowned for her grace and her giving. And she was, a, I don't know anyone that could live up to the standard of giving of herself that she did. But in an article published in Time Magazine, and I guess it was a few years ago, but I kept it. Oh, it was published in September 2007. I have it here in front of me. I remembered it. That she was, for about 45 years, almost 50 years of her life, completely depressed. <laughs> okay. And what happened was, when she first started serving people and giving and helping in, of herself, she was the happiest and she saw God's presence. But the more successful she became and the more renowned her name grew, that she began to be increasingly, increasingly miserable. And so the last 20 or 30 years before her death, she was extremely depressed. And she was actually down for almost 45 years, actually. And so what happened was, sometimes you can do the right thing, but you're focused to be wrong. And somehow the more successful she became, maybe it sounds like when you read the article, she lost her focus, which is easy to do. You see a lot of guys who are in the ministry, and yet they're in it for the wrong reason. And you can tell by their behavior. And so people who are philanthropists, they can be great givers, and, but when you examine their motive, it may not necessarily be pure. So doing something for others, if you find that no matter you're trying to do something and help others, and you're finding that you're not getting any relief from the depression, it could be that you're doing it more of a motive that pertains to yourself than you're aware of. So begin by praying for them, like we were just talking about. Begin by praying for them. And praying for them for their sake. And you'll find that during the course of that prayer, something will change. You will find that during the course of that prayer, you'll feel a difference on the inside of you. You'll feel it begin to change. And as you pray regularly, you'll find that God himself will deliver you from the clutches of depression. Daniel prayed, it was said that he prayed three times a day. And I understand, in order to keep focus, to keep perspective, because depression, remember, is all a matter of perspective and how you are seeing things, whether the glass is half full or half empty. And you can see it as half full when God's grace comes upon you, but afterwards you'll find yourself going back to your old perception. But then as you begin to pray, you pray more than once a day, pray throughout the day. That's one of the reasons that Paul said to pray without ceasing. As you pray without ceasing, you'll discover that you'll become transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. When God's grace sets on you for meeting him in prayer, you won't see things as half empty anymore. You won't see things as dark and dreary. It'll curtail the net of depression, the darkness of depression. God will use prayer to peel it away through the conversation and the relation and inner reaction that you have with the Lord. And the base of which is your eyes will be on him and on others. It will not be so introspective. It will not be so introverted. It will not be so self-absorbing and self-centered. For that very thing is the basis of depression. It's the basis of fear. It's the basis of addiction. Most anything that any sin or issue or problem that we struggle with in our humanity has to do with our flesh, which is really a mind after ourselves. Did you know that that's what that was? You've heard the Bible talk about the flesh. The flesh is to be carnally minded or to mind after ourselves. As Romans 7 and 8 opens up. And so as you are self-focused, then you will find yourself vulnerable to addiction. You know, folks who want to be free from addiction before their self-sake. You have to remove. Your... Now, like again, some people can hide from depression and maybe the brunt of it by keeping busy, by moving about. And, and to me, that's a, some level of refuge, but you've got to be running that way. And that way you're running from depression. In that way, and so as soon as you slow down, depression tackles you. You want the Lord to retrain you. The Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You want to allow the Lord to retrain you to remove your sight and your focus from being so much on you and to refocus you and redirect your attention and your focus outward and upward and outward so that you're not so preoccupied with yourself and your issues. So that you're not over preoccupied with yourself and the issue, which is really the base of depression. And again, if you're preoccupied long enough, pretty soon your body will begin to adjust to that. And your body chemistry will begin to adjust to that. And you'll find that because you're down all the time, looking at the glass is half empty. And sometimes that's done by raising a bar of what we think happiness is and comparing ourselves to others and so on and so forth and some of the other things that we've talked about in past broadcasts. And then you can't reach that bar. And so, if you're not a 10, you're a 0. Right? Isn't that how that works? Most folks who don't struggle with the issue, if you're not a 10, then you're a 9. But in, those, in the world of depression, and the one who looks at things from a negative light, and who's done so, so much that he's conditioned his body to be depressed, that if you're not a 10, then you're a 0. There's no 9 or 8. Nobody remembers 2nd place. <laughs> if you're not 1st, then you're last. There's no 2nd or 3rd. And so it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of being transformed by the reading of your mind. And you may not be able to do it yourself. Then get a prayer partner. Get someone, you know, maybe get up in the morning and pray together. Maybe meet by phone or at lunch and pray together. And pray for the people for their sake and not your own. And you know something, a good thing? And when you do begin to help people and begin to help folks that can't help you back, <laughs> begin to reach out. And help people that can't do a thing for you. And you'll find that it's hard to find an ulterior motive with people that you don't really need their respect. You really need their thank you or their appreciation or their show of love. Helping those that can't do anything for you in return is another way. What we refer to reaching beyond yourself. Because God's got a plan. He's got a plan for you, child of God. And so let him reach beyond you. And begin in your prayers. Begin to pray for people. Pray for your neighbors that you don't like. And your friends and your enemies. And, and people that can't or don't want to do anything for you. Begin to pray for them. So as you, first off, you begin to pray for 
folks for their sake. Begin to also pray for people and to do things for people that can't do anything for you. Do something for the homeless and don't tell anyone that you did anything. That's right. Do something for homeless people, but don't tell anyone that you did something for them. And you'll allow the Lord to redirect your focus and your attention and your preoccupation. So that it's not about you and yours. It's not about your work. It's not about look at me, look at what I've done and, and telling people. No, Jesus says that if you go outside and tell people what you've done that's good, he said that therein you've received your reward. He says don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You keep this thing between you and the Lord. That's right. You keep it between you and God alone. And so doing, you will escape the clutch of depression. But more importantly, you will have allowed the Lord to reestablish within you or establish in you the kind of relationship that he's always wanted to have with you. So you're not going to find God until you begin to love. The Bible says in 1 John that no one has ever seen God at any time. But he that loves lives in God and God lives in him. And so it really, it's a, a byproduct consolation prize really to be free from depression the real prize is you will have found the lord as you're looking not beyond yourself that's who god is as you begin to walk in love you'll begin to find god who is by definition the experience of love isn't that what the bible says in first john says that god is love see love isn't just a feeling love is a person the experience of love is in fact the experience of god and to find him you have to look beyond yourself to do it <laughs> that's what love does Love looks beyond itself and even at the expense of himself. But not at the expense of yourself so you can say, look what I did to my own expense. No, then you have lost your reward. If you do things with strings, you know, I always say this. The Bible says that for God to love the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but everlasting life. You know what that means? I always say this. In the final analysis, the vast majority of the world will have rejected Jesus' sacrifice. When the great white throne judgment day comes, most of the world will have rejected Jesus' sacrifice, yet he died for them anyway. Whether they appreciate it or not. And that's what love is. And, and some of us have a difficult time. We'll reach out, and then we don't get appreciated, and then, then we back off. And we don't understand what Jesus meant when he said it's better to give than receive. He's saying you keep your eye outward. Keep your eye outward. Let me retrain your focus. Let me retrain your concentration and what you're thinking about. And so that you're not preoccupied with you. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and add everything else you get. I want you preoccupied with you. And that's why, well, another reason why I have a problem with preaching or over-preaching, give to receive. Because that was cross-grain with what God says. Remember when the rich man came to Jesus and said, what must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus said, take all you have, give to the poor, take up your cross and follow me. And the brother walked off because he was very rich. Well, Jesus could have said, hey, sir, if you've given it, I would have given it back to you 30, 100 fold in this age and the age to come. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus let him walk. Jesus let him walk and let him go on about his business. Because had he said that, he would have been given out of the very spirit, if you will, that Jesus was asking to repent of. It would have been about him. Okay, God wants me to give, not looking for anything in return. And the other disciples, Peter's and the disciples said, well, Lord, we've given all. And Jesus said, and you receive in this age and in the age to come, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And that's what happened, wasn't it? So God is saying, when you do give to others, set yourself aside. And sometimes you have to say a prayer in order to do that. Sometimes you have to pray and say, you know something, I'm going to set me aside. I'm going to help them. I'm not going to look for anything from them. And that's the way you avoid the clutches of depression but really that's just a, a consolation prize the true prize is you will have found God you will have found God because everyone from everywhere their issue is is that we're self-centered 
we're self-focused. Even when we do things, that's what religion is. I do it for me. I am the bottom line. And that's the heart of whatever your issue is, whether it be anxiety, whether it be addiction, whether it be pornography, whether it be depression. It's the same thing. It's the mind after the flesh, the mind after me, when I'm first and foremost in my life, when it's about me, myself, and mine. The Bible says that the carnal-minded man, the mind after oneself, is not subject to the will of God. Cannot be obedient to the law of God, and neither is indeed subject to. He cannot walk in the Spirit. He cannot walk in God's grace if it's about Him. And that's where so many Christians have failed, is that in order for us to put pressure on you to be obedient, we dangle a reward in front of you. But we do so at the expense of your spirituality. And we do so at the expense of your relationship with God, and the expense of the keys of your depression is. And so take these words to heart, and let's follow Jesus' example of what he's done and what he did. And let's refocus our attention off of ourselves, and refocus it on others. Let's begin with praying first. But I want to remind everyone to visit us on our Facebook page at Help Relationships 102. So until the next time, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee, and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. And give thee peace. And this is Pastor Lewis Green wishing you good afternoon and God bless.